The Lord be with you. The Spirit, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of these two did his father's will? They answered, the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Next weekend, when you come to Mass, you come to the 8 a.m., you're going to notice something different that we're going to start doing here at the parish. So directly following the 8 a.m. Mass, so at 9 a.m., each Mass, at least for the next year during this, what we call the Eucharistic Revival. So the bishops of the United States for the past couple years saw an emphasis to focus on the Catholic belief and teaching of the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. So the entire Church of the United States, all 68 million Catholics, that was going to be the primary focus. Focus on the Holy Eucharist. And so part of our endeavor here at the parish to underline the beauty of this beautiful sacrament is that after, from the ADM Mass, so when that Mass ends around 9, each Mass we're going to end with Eucharistic adoration. So what that means is, after the final prayer, we'll expose Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. And then at that time period, from that window, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., our Lord will be exposed for that hour. And it'll be an opportunity for the parish to pray. So if you wanted to stay and pray after the Mass, feel free to stay and pray, or you can exit as normal. But we're going to exit when our Lord is exposed very reverently because our Lord is on the, upon the altar. So we leave differently the church when we're in Eucharistic adoration. And then within that hour, between the, eight, between the 9 and the 10, at 9.30 a.m., we're going to begin implementing what we're going to call the family rosary. At 9.30 a.m., if you're here, 
We're going to pray the Holy Rosary together. Again, it's optional. Whoever wants to come, come. So again, we're going to end Mass with the Eucharistic Adoration. And of course, I invite everybody to stay as long as you can. Then at 9.30 a.m., we're going to pray together the Holy Rosary. So that way, we'll catch the 8 a.m. crowd leaving and the 10 a.m. Mass coming. So it's, it's a nice little window. Again, why? It's no surprise. Sunday in our civilization has lost its sacredness. It wasn't always like this, by the way. It wasn't always like this. Because remember, Sunday as Christians, Sunday was a holy day. But now it's become watered down. It's become like every other day for the most part. If you remember back in the day, everything used to be shut down. Do you remember that? On Sunday, everything used to be closed. Because why? Because the vast majority of people were in church. Or if you still go to Catholic countries today, you go to Poland on Sunday. Oh, you notice it. Sunday is different than Monday through Saturday. And so it's hard now to shift an entire culture to reclaim Sunday, because Sunday now tends to be more about football than it is about the Lord. But then how do we reclaim Sunday? It's the same answer to the problems of the world. What is the answer to all of our problems of the world? It's easy. More Jesus. Flat out, there it is. The answer to all of our problems, whatever it is, whatever's happening in your life, I guarantee you the answer is always more Jesus Christ. And so I want to, in this little window of time, in that little hour on Sunday, that hour between 9 and 10 will be an additional hour of prayer besides the Holy Mass that I want to offer. Because we need more Jesus Christ. And in particular, the Holy Rosary. My mom taught me how to pray the rosary when I was a little kid, maybe when I was around seven or eight. She taught me all of the prayers, and especially as a kid, you, know, you don't quite comprehend what you're doing. You're just doing it because mom tells you to. But it was a beautiful thing. So I learned how to pray the Holy Rosary. I knew all the prayers by, t- by the time I was an adult. And then at 18, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, one of the things I added to my spiritual life was praying a daily rosary. So from the age of 18 to now, I'm 97. I've been praying the Holy Rosary that entire time. But I'm praying the Rosary every day since I was 18. It's utterly amazing. When we incorporate the spiritual practices of our ancestors, especially the Holy Rosary, which our Blessed Mother said to pray every day, not just when you feel like it, but making the hard discipline and praying, sacrificing, loving, Because Christianity is not for the soft when you think about it. And the Holy Rosary has been a powerful, powerful spiritual weapon that many of the great saints of our tradition have taken up. And then why that particular weekend, next weekend? It's October 7th and October 8th. October 7th is the Feast of the Holy Rosary. It commemorates a battle, a pivotal battle on that day in 1571. It's called the Battle of Lepanto. 
I never learned about this battle in my public school history class. It's just strange because this is one of the most pivotal battles in Western civilization. It was against the Ottoman Turkish Empire versus the Holy League. It was a league of Catholic nations. The empire of Spain, Venice, Sicily, Austria, Italy, the Papal States. 61,000 of our Catholic soldiers versus 68,000 Ottoman Turks. If we lost this battle, by the way, the Ottoman Empire would have conquered Rome. St. Peter's Basilica would be a mosque today, just as Hagia Sophia is a mosque today in Constantinople. They would have conquered the Italian peninsula. They would have moved to conquer Germany, France, Spain, England. There was no army left standing in their way except for this final Holy League. The Pope, knowing what hung in the balance, asked the nations, the Catholic nations, to pick up the Holy Rosary and pray for victory. We won that battle against all odds. And Western civilization was saved. I dare say if we lost that battle, there would be no England. And if no England, there would be no United States. See, it's like a domino effect, ramifications. Utterly stunning. But notice the intuition. In our darkest hour, we turned to our Blessed Mother. And as a parish named after our Blessed Mother, how can we not pray the most powerful spiritual weapon we have in our arsenal? So at 9.30 a.m. every Sunday now, I'll be here praying the rosary. And I invite the whole parish to pray with me. I don't want to go to church, Father. If you ever ask people who don't go to church regularly, one of the reasons why they say, oh, the church is filled with hypocrites. You ever heard that accusation? Oh, I hear it all the time from people. When you invite them to Mass or you invite them to, to take the faith more seriously, like, oh, you people in the church, you guys are full of hypocrites. And whenever I hear that accusation, I always have to lay my head and bow in humility because I know... I'm the biggest hypocrite you probably ever meet. Especially as priests, we know better. <laughs> and yet we still fall into sin or vices. Or another excuse that I always hear from people who don't go to church much. They'll say, oh, Father, I can't go to church. If you only knew what I've done in my life. Oh, you ever heard that excuse? I hear that often. Father, if you've only known what I've done in my life, or a common one, oh, Father, the moment I walk into the church, the, the ceiling will fall on my head, or, or something like that. Or if I dip my finger in the holy water fountain, the water will boil. You ever hear that? Sometimes they have these funny analogies. St. Mary's is a place for sinners.
Hear that again. St. Mary's Parish is a place for sinners. And it's precisely as we strive to grow in holiness, to make Christ the center of our lives, why our Lord today in the gospel praises who? The tax collectors and the prostitutes. Why? What, or rather, think about it this way. What separates these two types of people versus the elders and the priests, the two groups which Jesus contrasts this morning. And he uses the the beautiful analogy today, he says, of two sons. The two sons, whom a father goes up to him and says, go work in the field, but the one says no, but then eventually he goes to work in the field. The other son says, okay, father, I'll, I'll go into the field and work, but did not do it. And he likened the tax collectors and prostitutes to the first son, who said no, but then eventually went into the field to work. You see, tax collectors and prostitutes, the reason why they are entering the kingdom of God before the priests and the elders, is because the tax collectors and prostitutes have tried a life without God. They've tried it. Because remember back, remember I, I preach this ad nauseum now, referring over to Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century. What are the four classical substitutes of God? If we don't have God in our life, one of these four, according to Thomas, will replace that whole. Money, power, honor, pleasure. We will use one of these four to fill the God-sized hole in our hearts. Tax collectors and prostitutes have done it. They've gone after the money, the power, the honor, and the pleasure. But what happens? It's the same story when we try to fill and to satisfy our thirst with the salt water of the world. We're always still thirsty, and it never satisfies. And these poor group of people, they've tried it. A life without our Lord. And when we live in such darkness, the light of Jesus Christ pierces more radiantly. The light of our Lord shines brightly in the darkness. And these poor task collectors and sinners, they know a life without the Lord. And then when they encounter him, notice what happens next. It's said that they repented. Which is why our Lord brings in John, came to you in the way of righteousness. Because the first words out of John, he's speaking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist preached, repent, was the first words out of John the Baptist's mouth. If we were to meet John the Baptist today, first thing he would say to us is, not good morning. He'd say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what John the Baptist would say, which is why he did not win many friends. He wasn't invited over to many people's houses. John the Baptist. Because he was always talking about repenting. And they did. The key virtue in the Christian life, if you want to grow, is humility. Humility to get down on our knees and to pray. And to say, God, I am tired of fighting and rebelling against you. 
I am tired of trying to fill my life with more money, more honor and power and pleasure. For that kind of life is tiring. Isn't it tiring? It's a lot of stress. A lot of people to impress when we live that type of life. And it never satisfies anyway. I want St. Mary's to be a refuge and a place of sinners. But sinners who desire to be saints.